0: The Sports Talk with Devin Wade Briefcast. Liking, Perry, Brown, and Any given Sunday, anything can happen. What we think so far. Lakers, were they oversold? Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade Briefcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. This is Briefcast. Number 15, not to be confused with episode 81 of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. The briefcast, in case you are joining us for the very first time, are when I come to you solo without the special teams unit. Now you say, well, who, who are the special teams unit? Who is the special teams unit? That's usually my brother Biscuit, Jordan Wade, or former NFL linebacker Eddie Robinson, or the Silver Fox, Kevin Allen, even the thespian Kalina from time to time, and a host of others who uh, frequently come when we do full-fledged episodes with all of the bells and whistles and the mixes and all of that good stuff, and more of those are definitely on the way. So we have more of those coming, so definitely don't worry so much about that. Welcome, and again, want to remind you guys, I'm on Twitter at Wade's Word and the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group on Facebook. And uh, just whenever you can, always comment and uh, like, subscribe, all of those, download all of those things and uh, so we can keep this thing going and growing and getting bigger and better. You you know the spiel, And, and if you don't. Hey, now you've heard it and you'll hear it again, I'm sure. Because, again, each time out, we have new folks who tune in for the very first time. And if you are tuning in for the first time, I encourage you to go back and listen to full fledged episodes and see how much fun we are having. And on the briefcast, I usually only hit you on a couple of things. I'll go into a few things, including the NCAA tournament. And I can tell you guys, I'll tell you how to participate with me if you like. And I'll give you my final four memories, and we'll get into the baseball contracts. So those are the things we'll mostly focus on, although once I get to rolling, we never quite know which direction we're going. Let me start out by saying happy, happy birthday to Melissa Brewer. She's a frequent listener and, of course, a member of the TFE family. If you don't know what that is, that's the Friday Express Group on uh, Facebook, I have the Friday Express here. Well, here, you don't know where he is. Here is in Houston, Texas, each and every Friday on KTSU 90.9. In fact, that is a place where you can catch the podcast as well, ktsuradio.com to listen to the podcast on there as well. So want to ha- wish her a very happy birthday. Her and her husband, Marcus, they listen frequently, and she is always supportive. And I love her comments, so I get a chance to read some of her comments on SoundCloud. I don't get a chance to read frequently enough the comments on iTunes, but I'll definitely try to make more of an effort to do that. So with that, I want to get started with the NCAA tournament. I'll tell you what, man, I'm excited. It's hard, it's hard to get excited like you used to get excited. And I hate to be like, oh, times were better than, I need to come up with my old person voice. I'm What's my old, Oh, I don't know, I need to imitate, maybe I can just talk in my own voice at, at this point, but. Uh, You know, I I talk about the olden days. Well, you know, I I mean, really, honestly, for in my youth, my favorite, my absolute favorite sporting event of all was the NCAA tournament. It was the greatest thing. It helped that the University of Houston was really, really good. And Five Slam and and all of those things were really, really rolling. So that came in a timely fashion. But you just loved it. It was such a, a, a wonderful thing. And I'll tell you why. It goes back to really name recognition. And you knew who the players were because the players had to do at least three years. And then they couldn't just go pro like they do now. They had to file with the NCAA something called hardship. You had to file hardship. And that meant, oh, you had family circumstances that dictated that you had to leave school to go make money and go work. And then they would approve you to go hardship And because of your hardship, you could go play in the NBA. Now, I'm not begrudging the fact that once you're 18 and you're grown, if you can go to war and you can go fight for the country, you can go play some damn basketball So or NFL, whatever. I don't have any problem with that. However, it does erode, and it sort of makes me nostalgic for old-time basketball. Take, for example, a guy like Zion Williamson. Now, what if you knew for the next two years Zion would be playing in college, and not only that he'll be playing with some of the same guys he's playing with, and not only that he would be playing against guys who are, are juniors and seniors as opposed to other freshmen, you know? Who and again, they I know they dominate the landscape of, of modern college basketball, but man. We had stars that were household names. We, that were great basketball players in college that never really made the transition to the pros. But they would really, they were like celebrities. They were well, well known. I watched U of H in the AAC tournament, and they played Memphis, and they made a reference to Andre Turner, the Little General. Now, for many people, you don't know who that is, but for us, or the, for folks of that. Era who really loved college basketball, you knew who he was because he played with Keith Lee, and you knew the original Twin Towers were Mel Turpin and Sam Bowie, and then you had Ralph Sampson at Virginia, and then uh, at Virginia you had Olden Polynes, and then uh, you—I mean those uh, UNLV teams, both sets of teams, the teams with armand Gilliam and Mark Wade. And then the teams, of course, with Stacy Ogman and Larry Johnson and and Anderson Hunt and all those guys and. And I mean it was it just man, I had I mean, college basketball was incredible. You had really flamboyant sort of charismatic coaches. When you talk about John Thompson and Luke Seca and and our own guy V. Lewis down here. I mean you had some all over the country you had with a Joe B. Hall and, and and then Nolan Richardson and of course Talk the shark, and and you still had Bayheim, a young, younger, much younger Bayheim, and you had Coach K and Dean Smith. I mean, it was really, really fun. And you imagine those tournaments back then, they were just super duper exciting. I guess my favorite memory was just the runs of Fox Lamma Jamma in 82, 80, really 83 and 84. Well, 83 was the year, 83 was. Everybody was there. It was. It was man. It was the time. Clyde was there. Michael Young, Misha, uh, not Kimball Anders, uh, Um, uh, Anders and Benny Anders. Benny Anders, who they did the, they did the thirty for thirty for, uh, sort of Benny Anders, who sort of went missing and no one can find him. But anyway, those teams. The Eighty-two team was all about Rob Williams. And that he leading that team, they lost, of course, to Michael Jordan. And really, Michael Jordan was, was was big on the team, but that was really Sam Perkins and, and Worthy's team, really. Now, they won the national championship, and that was cool. Uh, but that was that year in 82, that was a Worthy Perkins uh, sort of team. Doherty uh, was on that team too, Black, the guard. Uh, was on that team too. So they they were loaded in 82 and Rob just couldn't get past And Rob had the worst game of his entire life uh, that night uh, and that broke my heart. But then you come back in 83 and that game with Louisville, which I didn't see all of, and I have to tell you why. I had a choice. I could go fishing with my cousin, which I'm not even an outdoors person. But yeah, I had a chance to go to Galveston and St. Louis passed to go fishing or watch that game. I was so confident that they would win that I went fishing and saw I mean I've seen the highlights in the games. You can go find the games on YouTube, but I I mean I I knew everything that happened cuz we listened on the radio. And but then that Monday night, man, that that brings me to like my my worst that's my worst sports memory by far. It was a traumatic experience. I have, I mean, you know, I as a kid, I rooted so hard for my teams. And I really was Houston through and through. It was all Houston. I know that sort of changed if you listen to the local show. Um, but it was all about the Oilers and the Astros and the Rockets. And, and then I had my favorite boxers that I liked. I just remember when Duran beat Sugar Ray Leonard. It just kind of did something to me. But my worst, really, the Love Your Blue heartbreaks against Pittsburgh. Were heartbreaking. They really, really were. But nothing like Five Slam Jamma. That was the team because those guys were from our neighborhood. I mean, Clyde went to Sterling, and Misha I think went to Worthing. Michael Young was from Yates. I mean, those guys were just they were they were our guys, and they would be out and about. And it was just a great, great, great era. And if, and because they couldn't win that game, it still, I mean, I still cringe a little bit. It really still bothers me. I think the only thing that really made that better is that Clyde and Elijah Warren won a title together. That sort of made up a little bit for that. But nothing like that day, that night. It's unbelievable that they lost that game. And I think that really prevented Guy v. Lewis from getting into the basketball hall of fame sooner than he did. Uh, but you know what? U of H is back in the swing of things, and I'll get more into that. But I want to congratulate the Prairie View a and Panthers. They won the SWAC beating our, my, Texas Southern Tigers, who are actually playing tonight in New Orleans in the collegeinsider.com tournament. Uh, but Prairie View won, and they played in the first four last night. They came up. They were up 13. And really, all season long, they hadn't been able to close Texas Southern trailed them at one point in their second matchup of the season to the tune of, I think trail trailed by, by 21 points with 10 minutes left. And Texas Southern came back and not only won, not even close. They sort of, I think they ended up winning about five points. So, I mean, not only did they come back, I mean, they just really dominated them late. And Prairie View, all season long, uh, had had problems in the second half, putting together a complete game. And although they made a game of it, they fell short last night. But congratulations to them and the swag. And, uh, hey, we'll go get them again next year. Hopefully Texas Southern can make some noise in the collegeinsider.com tournament. So we'll have to follow that uh, throughout. So a couple things. If you would like to pick your bracket with me, you can go to ESPN.com. Go to the, what is it, the Bracket Challenge when you fill out your bracket it'll ask you to join, create or join a group search for the group s t d oh wait a minute, let me do this right s t w d w that's sports the first initial for sports talk with devin wade so uh, it's s t w d w s-t-w-d-w those are the way that's the group to look for and you can join me and i will recognize those who do well i have two brackets i'm probably going to do one or two more and uh yeah because i want one of them, I do total upsets so i can tell you this before we get into that the couple things i want you to watch for zion williamson obviously you won't be able to escape him he he, he is inescapable because he will be on everything Uh, Duke is the number one overall seed, also his teammate R.J. Barrett. A guy, Jay Morant, he got game. I'm going to tell you more about him next podcast, but Jay Morant is in the mix. I I think I'll do a he got game if, uh, if they continue to win. So we'll have to see how that goes if I do another podcast before then. But the ACC has three number one seeds. Virginia, Duke, and North Carolina. The University of Houston is in the Midwest region. Number one seed there is the University of North Carolina. The number two seed is the University of Kentucky. Now, again, going back to my memories, uh, it was Elijah Warren and Misha. Our front court and Clyde Drexler versus. Uh, well, you know what? I don't. I think they played in '85. I don't think they played in '84. So let me think about that. I think. I think Dream was there, Clyde was gone. I think that's right. And uh, they played Mel Turpin and Bennett, Winston Bennett was his name, and Sam Bowie. And, of course, Sam Bowie is known for being chosen over Michael Jordan the year of the 84 draft. So, so yeah, they had to play 84 I don't know. I I have to really jog my memory on that one. But I know that if I feel I feel like they played the Twin Towers, that would have had to be in the regular season in nineteen eighty four. So we'll have to I have to look that up to see if that that was right. But anyway, Kentucky is the number two seed in the Midwest region. University of Houston is the number three seed. They open up with Georgia Southern and uh the other number one seed, Duke, Virginia, and Gonzaga out west. So Prairie View would have gone up against Gonzaga had they won, but alas, they did not. So let's go through some of these brackets. So let's, I'm going to actually kind of go through these and kind of, if, you, if you're not interested, just kind of, uh, if you're on tuning, you can go, you can speed ahead for 30 seconds and and see how it goes. But uh, Duke is in the East region, number one seed. I have them going the... I don't think that they will get to the Final Four. I think Michigan State will go to the Final Four. I really do think uh, that Michigan State is a team under Tom Izzo that gets better year after year in the tournament. And I think they'll do that again. I mean, obviously, they're a good team as it stands. They're the number two seed in the region. And I just think that they have a, a relatively easy road to do. Uh, Duke, I think, will be – I mean, same thing with them. I think they have a relatively easy – I think that reason. And, again, you have to qualify everything that I'm saying by understanding I did not watch a tremendous amount of college basketball. I kind of spent the last month dabbling a little bit more. And more than anything else, I have watched Duke because, again, of Zion and ACC basketball is is just the best. So you, I'll keep up a lot. SEC a little bit. The Big 12, of course, we keep up with Texas and Oklahoma and those schools. And then, of course, uh, since U of H is resurgent, we're keeping up with them and, of course, the SWAC. But I'll tell you this. So you have to kind of sort of temper or just put in perspective my basketball opinions. But in my opinion, Duke will not go to the Final Four. I am taking the Michigan State Spartans to go to the Final Four in the East region. In the Western region, West region, uh, Gonzaga is the number one seed. Number two seed is Michigan. And uh, what other good teams are in there? I think there's some difficult matchups in there. Murray State with Ja Morant is the team that you want to keep an eye on if they can win. Uh, Syracuse with that matchup zone, if you can't prepare for them, sometimes they can do really, really well in a tournament and I think uh, that region, you have Texas Tech. Nevada is a team to keep an eye out for. Maybe Michigan gets upset in that region. Um, maybe not. If not, I you know what? I think in that region, I had a couple different folks. I had One of them, I had Texas Tech going. Um, but Florida State could go. Uh, it could be wide open. I don't think Gonzaga's going to get there. So let's say Michigan or Texas Tech. Let's take one of those teams to go uh, to the final four in the South region. Virginia is the number one seed. Virginia is the number one seed. Number two team, uh, number two seed in that region is Tennessee. I like Tennessee all through the year, but they kind of stumbled down the stretch, didn't play as well as they did earlier. And I will tell you what, I don't think Virginia can get there. I am going to pick Tennessee to get to the final four and finally now here's the hardest bracket for me because i think i mean obviously i want to see u of h i think u of h can do some things i really do think that they can uh, do some damage but i think north carolina is the team in that region over kentucky over auburn or kansas i and or u of h and so i would take north carolina in the midwest region to take on Tennessee. I'll take take North Carolina and Michigan State in the finals, and I will take North Carolina to win it all. I know everybody's favorite team seems to be the Duke Blue Devils, but I just don't think they shoot well enough outside. I love the athleticism and the shooting and the speed and the pace that North Carolina play with, and then you have a guy like Luke May who's playing in who could be going back to the final four again. He's a national champion. So um, maybe just maybe uh, this is North Carolina's year. But again, like anything else, uh, this thing can be derailed by one big upset. One major upset can upset, uh, just turn the whole tournament upside down. That's why nobody ever gets it perfect. And I know that there's an offer out there for a billion dollars. Oh, actually a million dollars a year if you pick all of them correctly, that's out there. And, then, I mean, everybody's filling out a bracket. It's a whole lot of fun. I used to do more office brackets. I don't, I mean, obviously, I haven't done that. But it's better to do it in our little Sports Talk with Devin Wade community with all the folks who watch basketball all of the time. So, teams that I like uh, to do some some upsets, possibly. Possibly teams that I didn't mention. Or I Look for a team uh, like Nevada. Nevada is a team you might want to look for uh, to do something. Uh, Let's see who else. Let me, as I peruse, maybe Auburn, a lot of people think, well, Hey, you know, they played their best basketball in the SEC tournament. Uh, We'll see. Let's look, look at them. Uh, Another team, St. Mary's is a team that beat Gonzaga to win that conference. So maybe that's a team you look at as well. So, uh, but anything can can happen in this thing, man. It's going to be a whole lot of fun, and hopefully, you know, we'll have to see what LSU does. They play Yale to open up with, but their coach was derailed by the uh, the wiretapping situation. So that's you know that's where we are with that. But again, if you want to pick with me, go to ESPN.com, go to the bracket challenge or the tournament challenge, whatever it's called. The tournament challenge is what it's called. The tournament challenge, and when you, after you fill out your brackets and you're looking for a group, it's S-T-W-D-W. Just, hey, Sports Talk with Devin Wade. So, with that, I want to shift gears a little bit. Talk about baseball. Baseball actually had an opening day, which is ridiculous. Baseball, baseball is going to have to get out of its own way. First of all, they're trying to change all of these rules to shorten the games and I realize that some of those American League games especially can go on for five hours if you don't watch them. So I, I know that that can be a problem. But I just think the idea of possibly in the next couple of years introducing a pitch clock and and all of these things that they're trying to, you know, the limitations on mound visits and all of those and, and maybe one day a minimum amount of batters to face, I think that messes with the fabric of the game. I think that baseball, in many ways, has to double down on what it already is. Now, yeah, of course, you want. The, the, I would think that there's a half inning in there or two where you can maybe cut down and say, "Well, hey, and what? How about the God bless? Well, I know that's blasphemous for some folks, but how about eliminating uh, uh, God bless America in the seventh inning? That's a new thing. That's since that's been since nine eleven. You know, I guess that's the new tradition in baseball, and I don't want to hear people complaining about that. But you know, you can take that out if you want to, or if not, that there are a couple half innings in there where you say, uh, you know, a couple innings where you can just go straight to uh, the 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 top or the bottom, or actually go straight to the bottom of the uh, of the inning. Uh, Maybe after the first inning, go straight to the second inning. Where you can kind of eliminate a big commercial break or two in there. I I just think that there are a couple things that you can do that way without tampering with the game. But if that's not enough to to sort of be hinting at and working towards fundamentally changing aspects of baseball, you have opening day in Japan. And now, opening day was today. Now, the rest of the uh, Major League uh, Baseball... Won't open in, until like uh, the night of the national championship, so I, I think that's two weeks away or something like that, a week and a half away, and before they open up. Uh, yes, yeah, two weeks away um, before they have opening night uh, of for everybody else in Major League Baseball. I think it's ridiculous and it's just it's just, it's just stupid because I just remember as a kid. And again, I know everything can be about my childhood, but let me hold on to that. But I just do remember that. For many, many years, they said the most optimistic day of the year is opening day in baseball because everybody has a chance. All the records are zero and zero come opening day, and now you you sort of change that already by opening up two weeks ahead of time in Japan, which is I mean I don't know, man. I don't I don't get it, but when you see these contracts, and that's what I really want to talk about: baseball contracts. You see why they will do whatever they can to get as much money as they can with a, I mean, since we talked about it, I think many people have heard Mike Trout, who's considered by far, by far the best player in baseball, signed a 12-year, $430 million deal. He's locked in for 12 years for $430 million. That's thirty-five million eight hundred. million. Thirty-three thousand three hundred thirty-three dollars a year, and I think it comes down to I think he makes something like sixty-eight. I, I forget. I did the math on this. I did a whole breakdown on this, but he it ends up being like two hundred twenty thousand dollars a game. So it, you know, for your average Wednesday night game, <laughs> he's getting paid on average two hundred twenty thousand dollars a game for the next twelve years. So, I mean, it's ridiculous, but he's not the only one. Bryce Harper just signed his 13-year deal for $330 million. That's $25,384,615 a year. So $25 million for him. Giancarlo Stanton uh, last year, year before last, a couple years ago, $13 million, I mean, 13 years. $325 million deal, $25 million a year. Manny Machado earlier this spring, a few weeks ago, 10 years, $300 million. That's $30 million a year. And it all really got started with a guy named Alex Rodriguez, who in 2008 signed a $275 million deal for 10 years. So he was making $27 million back in 2008. That's why everybody hates him. Well, they hate him for a lot of reasons. Uh, but not the least of which is the 10 years, to $275 million. So I, when you look at all, all of those situations, I just think that it is, I mean, it's crazy to lock a guy in. And all this money is guaranteed, by the way. It's crazy to lock these guys in for so long. Now, the Astros did something smart. They got in and locked up Alex Bregman for six years for one hundred million dollars. Now, what that? What do you Well, why did we, he settle for so little? Well, he has a couple of years where he would be arbitration eligible. That's the next couple of years where he couldn't just get. He couldn't hit the open market. I think he has like four seasons before he can get to the open market, and then uh, the first two years of free agency, the Astros have locked him down. So I mean, that's a brilliant move, great move for him. He locks himself into a hundred million dollars, uh, but at the same time, the Astros do control his uh, his rights for a couple years longer than they they might not have been able to uh, retain him for. So, hey, man, this guy is one of the hottest players in baseball. Astros are going to have another great season. Boston is a team to look out for, and we'll have to see what Bryce Harper does in Philadelphia. Um, But i tell you what, there's one more guy that is going to get paid, and he won't get Mike Trout money. But Mookie Betts is a guy you you definitely wanna keep an eye out for. And even if you haven't, if you even if you're not a baseball fan, there's some guys out here that you really have to follow. And throughout the season, I think we're gonna do a little bit better job of talking some baseball and getting some baseball talk on. I know Tiffany Skinner will like that. So with that, gonna cut this one kind of short. I have some basketball to watch and some brackets to fill out. Wanna remind you guys. Uh, on um Twitter at Wadesworth, W-A-D-E-S-W-O-R-D. And, of course, on Facebook, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade Page and Group. Next time out, I think we'll do a He Got Game, and we will do a Lamont Award. I have one, but I'm going to put that one back in my holster. Um, But just hit me up if you have any suggestions for the Lamont Award recipient or uh, you want to get in on the brackets. I look forward to seeing who you guys pick, and it's going to be a whole lot of fun over the next uh, few weeks to watch college basketball and uh, have a whole lot of fun with that. Getting out of here, and uh, until next time, as always, have a great day.